Okay. So let's go ahead and look further about the different things that we can do as far as working on developing and building on our prayer life. Well, we're going to look at some of the models of uh, model of prayer that, that Jesus gives us. So let's take a look at what uh, Luke 11 says. Let's go to Luke 11. Verses 1 through 4. And this is pretty much in line with what Travis had said. By the way, for those of you who have just come in, yes, note-taking is crucial. Um, keep taking notes. Take as many notes as you can, and we thank you for being here. I've already mentioned that this, this is pretty much a record crowd, so we appreciate your being here and accommodating other people. Um, so thank you for doing that. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It's a good idea to get back to the basics if you don't really know how to go about having an effective prayer life. An effective prayer life starts with the basics. Amen? It has a foundation. So it says in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, He was praying in a certain place. That's Jesus was praying. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So we have the model of how to pray from Jesus. Here it comes. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we forgive ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. This is the model prayer that Jesus himself relays to his disciples. Note that it touches on five key components of our relationship to God. There's five key components. These are attributes of the model prayer. The first part is kind of tiny, but follow with me. Reverence to God, his holiness, and his eternal kingdom. Your prayer to God should have reverence for who he is. Amen? Amen? Amen. Otherwise, you're just praying to any God. I mean, you're just you're not giving him his due. So this is one of the key components. Reverence to God, his holiness, and his eternal kingdom. Next, thankfulness for his provision, whether it be food, clothing, health. You're thankful for what he gives to you. You're thankful for what he provides for you. Every one of you should be thankful because you are alive today. Amen. Amen? Amen. Health. Health. And there are some of us who are, you know, some of us have aches and pains. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> she said, praise, yeah, praise the Lord. We do. We all have aches and pains. There are things that happen to us, but they, guess what? That's part of living. Mm-hmm. We are in bodies that are breaking down and stuff happens to us, mm-hmm. but you still have the ability with your praise breath to praise the Lord. Amen. You're thankful. You're thankful for his provision, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Another component, our dependence upon his forgiveness for our sin. We absolutely need him to forgive us. We depend upon him for his forgiveness because we want to have a relationship with him. When we are in sin, we have broken our ties of that relationship, at least temporarily. So I think that that's what Columbus was referring to about making sure that you have reverence and you're praying about 
where you are during the day. Yes. I think you touched on this, but I want to reiterate it. We need to make a distinction about this prayer that Jesus is telling disciples how to pray. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people think that this is how Jesus prayed. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yes. This is not how Jesus prayed. This is not how Jesus prayed. He's telling you how to pray. That's right. You don't need to forgive anyone. That's correct. That's a good point. No, that's absolutely correct. He is giving us the model because we're the ones that need it. We need to know how to pray. So he's giving us this, these different components. Amen? Amen? Okay, so we are dependent upon him for forgiveness. Our desire to humble ourselves before others. One of the very, very important things, for, and I, I can't stress this enough, if you want to be a light before others, you've got to be humble before other people. Mm-hmm. You have got to humble yourself. You can't look like some braggadocio dude that... Braggadocious. Braggadocious with the motious. You can't look like that. If you want to have a relationship with somebody, you can't look like you know more than other people. You can't act like that you're smarter than everybody else. These are things that you have to be conscious of. So you're praying for that desire to humble yourselves before other people. Walking in humility. Yes. One other piece of that is when you make a mistake, admit it and apologize for it. That's right. More volumes than trying to rationalize why you were right. That's right. You know, one of the things I dealt with when I was growing up, my father never admitted he made a mistake. He made a ton of mistakes because we all make mistakes. But it was something that it builds a wall that you don't even realize you're doing when you when you do something like that. If you acknowledge you make mistakes, you're showing yourself to be humble. You're showing yourself that, yes, you do need forgiveness. It's very important to live that way. And the last one, our reliance upon his power to help us to overcome the temptation of sin. We need Christ, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to not sin. What do we say about that verse? I hide the word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And that's a, that's a prayer that we should have all the time. If we don't want to sin, if we want to make the right choices in life, we should be looking at this very model of prayer and looking at these components to help us to make the right choices. We don't want to mess up. We rely upon his power to help us to overcome the temptation of sin. When we sin, we're making what? The wrong choices. Amen. Amen. Each of these components create the environment of a healthy, growth-oriented relationship with Jesus Christ. Your spiritual growth in Christ is a fertile ground for how God can use you in a mighty way. You are fertile ground. You are like, if you're doing these things, you know how you have a, the soil and you put fertilizer on it and you till the soil and you plant seeds in it? That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to do those very things with you where you are just sprouting. You are just continuing to grow and develop. A fertile ground where God can use you in a mighty way. While your prayers may not utter the words of the Lord's Prayer each time you pray, consider that these components of the model prayer found in Luke 11 are the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the foundation. This is where it starts. Now, every prayer is not going to be like this. But as long as you understand 
how the model of the prayer works, how we're supposed to be praying to God, like, and like, unlike what Travis said. Jesus didn't pray like this. Jesus had his own relationship with the Father where he had his own special prayers, which we won't know all those because we, we didn't, we, every prayer was not recorded. We saw the prayer that was recorded in John 17, which was a great prayer to read. If you read that whole chapter of John 17, you will see how Jesus prayed to God. So you'll see an example of that. But this is what we should be looking to. Amen? Amen. Okay. So each of these components creates the environment of a healthy, growth-oriented relationship with Jesus Christ. Creates the environment. Notice how I say creates the environment. Prayer is just the beginning. It starts it off in your commitment. But you're creating a great environment to grow healthy in Christ. Amen? Amen. Make sense? Okay. Yes? Just to share my experience, uh, what I've learned is that if I don't pray, I go through this spiritual dryness. Okay. Okay. Yes. The more that I communing with God in prayer, the more I feel invigorated. Okay. I have a lot of fervor to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I'll piggyback on that because there was a sermon that I actually preached once that talked about spiritual dryness. And everybody's experience is different. The key to when you're going through a period of spiritual dryness, in other words, things just seem kind of flat. You're not really necessarily seeing evidence of God moving in different ways. doesn't mean he isn't, but he definitely is. But the most important aspect of spiritual dryness is you just keep praying. You don't stop. You don't take a break from it. You don't take time off from it. You always keep praying, even though you don't necessarily see God moving or working. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes God allows those things to happen to do what? To challenge you to pray. And build your faith. That's exactly right. Because there may be something that you are missing that God is going to show you even in that period of this dryness, whatever you want to describe it or call it, okay? When you think of spiritual dryness, I think of a a field that hasn't been watered and you see this ground cracking and all that. And you just don't see anything really happening. Amen? Well... That's not unusual. That's sometimes typical, especially for people who truly are focusing on the Lord on a regular basis. Because you've got to be able to compare it to something. You know when things are going really well, and you know when things are kind of flat a little bit. But you never stop praying. You always keep praying. And wait for the Lord. And you're going to come out of it. Okay? All right. Questions? Okay. Just checking. Okay. All right, we took our break. We're going to move on to part three. Oh, we took a break? Now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute here. We did take a break. Now, if you have to get up and go, you know, you don't need to wait for a break, please. We don't... (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> if anybody wants something else to drink or food, just feel free to get up and grab it. And he's very graciously offered to give you something out of the fridge if you need it. Yes. So. Yeah, by all means, help yourself. That's what it's here for. Amen? And the restroom is around the corner to the left. Right. If There's you, a men's and a ladies' restroom. Men's and ladies' room. Literally go out the door, around the corner, and you'll see the men's and ladies' room if you need to go. Okay? All right. So we're on part three now. Yeah. All right. This, is, this section is called Ask and You Will Receive. Now, you're going to think this is very interesting. So the A in this pact that we have with Jesus Christ stands for ask. Important aspect of prayer is the next letter in our pact acronym that is to ask God. Now, on the surface, you would immediately conclude that the act of prayer and asking God within the act of prayer is the same thing. In reality, it's two different things. And I'm going to show you scripture to support that. First, you can pray to God without asking for anything related to yourself. Can you think of any examples of that? Just give them to me. Pray for your neighbor. What was it? Pray for other people. Anybody else. Pray for peace in the Middle East. There's numerous prayers where you're not asking God specifically for anything related to yourself. Right? So, the development of your prayer life, now this is another step of your development in your prayer life. Okay? So, those were great examples. But it's important for us to distinguish that the act of asking for something in prayer refers to something that pertains to you or a loved one in your life. It personalizes a little bit more. To ask God for something is a focused prayer to God that draws upon expectations that your prayers will be heard and answered by Him. That's a mouthful. To ask God for something is a focused prayer that draws upon expectations that your prayers will be heard and answered by him. In other words, you're asking because you have an expectation God's going to hear you and answer you. And it's very focused, very specific. It's related to you. Remember that Paul did the same thing. When he had some the sharp pain and he prayed. What did I say, Paul or Peter? Paul, wasn't it? Thank you. Peter, Paul, Mary. <laughs> very specific prayer about having the pain removed because it was a thorn it was whatever that ailment was which you know people have said is all kinds of different things and this young lady here she keeps raising her hand because she's relating to that very personally right now so but having said that God answered the prayer it may not have been the answer that you want but he answered the prayer because what that prayer did specifically in his case was that it humbled him because his personality was such that if he didn't have that in his life, he would get big in the head. And that's the truth. That's exactly why that it was allowed to happen. But it was a focused prayer and the expectation was that there would be an answer. Okay. A good verse in scripture about the distinction of prayer 
And asking God for a specific prayer is found in Philippians 4.6. Let's turn to Philippians 4.6. We want to make that distinction about the difference between just a simple prayer and asking. There is a difference. Philippians 4.6. I'll be reading from the ESV, and you can follow along. I'll wait till you get there. Amen. This is a very familiar verse. We've read this all the time, but when you look at this verse, you have to kind of look at it for what it's really saying to you. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds and your minds in Christ Jesus. That key word is supplication. The word supplication in this version is also used in the King James Version of the Bible. It also appears in the NIV and Holman Christian Center Bible as the word petition. It may say petition in your Bible. So what is supplication, or in this case, a prayer of supplication. A prayer of supplication is generally regarded as a personal prayer request. A personal prayer request. The Hebrew and Greek words for supplication are most often interpreted as a request for a petition. So a prayer of supplication is asking God for something. A prayer of petition is often referred to as a prayer for others. A prayer of supplication is a personal prayer request. Now, the Bible notes many different prayers of supplication. David, for example, prayed for mercy. This is in Psalm 4.1. It's a very specific prayer to David to have mercy. What was David going through? Anything and everything. Amen? Just praying for mercy. And he did that on more than one occasion, especially when the, there was a punishment for what he had done when he took the census. He prayed for mercy from God himself, but did not want to come under the hands of other people. If you remember that. Amen. Another prayer for supplication is for direction and leadership that he made. Psalm 5.8. And for deliverance. Psalm 6.4. Very specific prayers. Daniel prayed for help from God when King Darius issued the edict that outlawed all prayers to any God except for those to the king. He prayed very specifically for help with that. Jesus tells us to ask for our daily bread in Matthew 6.11. And that's very interesting because we make the assumption that, you know, we get food from anywhere, right? We are well taken care of when it comes to food. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Now, now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. If we don't do anything well around here, we do food well. Amen? So why y'all so quiet on that one? <laughs> Thank you. Amen. She said, and she said this that she's raising her fork and eating something. So <laughs> that was great. 
Okay. It's a different perspective from up here, I'll tell you. Okay, so that's, it's a prayer of supplication. Pray for your daily bread. And he also noted not to give up on praying for our needs. Even though, you know, sometimes you wonder if God is going to answer, you have to pray with the expectation he will answer you. That's a mindset. We'll talk about that more. Go, to, go real quick to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. I didn't include this verse on the handout, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. This is very important for you to see because Jesus gives this example when he talks about this parable to his disciples about how you just don't stop praying. If you don't get the answer right away, the worst thing you can do is stop praying about it. Is that a fair comment? Because the worst thing that you can do if you don't get an answer right away is to stop praying. That's what I said. You always keep praying. And it says to keep praying, you know, in Matthew 7, 7, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You keep doing it because the expectation is there that God's going to respond to you. But this, and I'll, there's a word I'll be using later on to show you why that's important that you keep doing that. If uh, Follow along. I have the NIV version here of Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Amen? Oh, that's, this is setting the stage. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Let me interrupt real quick. There's a lot of people that you're going to come in contact with that have no fear of God. They're unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. You do what you've got to do anyway. You still keep doing the praying. In other words, you don't stop praying and say, oh, this guy don't even believe in the Lord. I'm not going to pray for him. That's the one time you should be praying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God. Now look, now let's do this guy. Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now look at how he's thinking. That's not an accident. Understand that God will speak to unbelievers and give them direction in something they don't even know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. That absolutely is true. Mm-hmm. Don't think it doesn't happen. It absolutely does. Well, we live that way. Yes. We decided to come to Christ. Okay. Well, that was us. Oh, okay. Oh, you just personalized that. Okay. But that's all right. That's that's if if you don't have the mind of Christ, of course that's how you're going to see things. Amen? Amen. Okay. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Quickly now is relative to who? God himself. Quickly, it may be, it's, it's probably quick for him. For you, it might seem like a long time. 
or it might be a long time. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on the earth? This is a very important step in the believer's progression in faith in Jesus Christ. As you're going to see in this study, God gives very specific instructions as to the value of asking for something in his name. Asking for something in the name of Jesus Christ. This is important. That is a reflection of your maturity in Jesus Christ. To see your world and the world around you in such a way where you are in tune with God's will in your life. In other words, you have to start seeing the world the way God sees it. And that's how you're going to function. And that's how you're going to be at your best in doing this. This thing about asking specifically in prayer and being persistent in it is a measure of your maturity, your progression. In other words, you're not just praying, Jesus wept, or now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The prayers you were taught as a child. Amen? There is a progression now and a maturity in your prayer life where you're being very specific and asking and expecting answers because you're seeing the world the way God sees it. You are seeing it according to his will. Remember, in the flesh, how do you see things normally? According to the world, according to Melvin. The world according to Roscoe. The world according to, just add your name. You, the flesh only wants to see the way, your world, your own way. And that's all you really care about in the flesh. Well, you got to mature as a believer to see the world in God's way, according to his will. And that's going to develop your prayer life even more. Take a look at this passage. I want to show you something here really cool. Psalm 37.4. Now, we usually look at the one verse, Psalm 37.4. And I want you to see this because you have to look at it in this proper context. You guys doing okay over here? Okay, great. Very good. Psalm 37.4. Now, I'm going to read the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version. <clears throat> and a lot of you are familiar with this verse. This verse has been taken out of context forever. We are not going to do that here. We're going to give you the right context. <laughs> Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. At first blush, that's a fleshly verse for everybody just to go crazy on. If we delight in the Lord, he's going to give us whatever we want. <laughs> No, because <laughs> we really know that's, that's not true. But that's what it says if you're reading one verse. That's exactly right. The flesh says, yes, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Half the verse. That's right. That's why I always talk about context. Context, if you can take any Bible verse anywhere in the Bible, and you can steer that thing to fit you if you really want to. And not put a lot of effort into it. So at first glance, this passage implies that if you take delight in the Lord, whatever that means, taking delight in the Lord, amen, that he will give you whatever you want. Well, we know that's not true. Amen? Now, wait a minute. Three amens? We know that's not true. Amen? That's a little better. 
Young, thank you very much. <laughs> That's the second time you've said that, too. <laughs> you can see where this type of reasoning or even rationalization can get completely out of hand if you believe the verse as you read it just like that. Let's look at the correct context of the passage with an explanation of who the audience is. We need to know who the audience is in this particular place. It's a Davidic psalm that was intended to be an instructive and consoling lyric for the captives in Babylon who might feel themselves severely tempted when they saw those idolaters in prosperity and themselves in adversity. In other words, you're looking at other people saying, they're in prosperity, here we are, we're all jacked up. We're going through all hard times. So there's the audience. So go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Psalm 37, 1. And it says, Davidic, do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. Amen? Amen. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Now, before I go any further, all of us have seen examples of folks who you think are doing really well. And they don't know the Lord. Amen? Amen. And they get blessed. They get money. They get cars. They get three car garages. They're doing jobs. are doing great. Careers are fantastic. And that's a challenge for those of us who don't have a whole lot. Because the fleshly response to that is that they got all this stuff. They ain't even following the Lord. I, I'm following the Lord and look at me. That's a fleshly response. So let's go continue here. What does it say? Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. The previous verse said... What they've got ain't going to keep it forever. That's true. What the prosperity they have, it's not going to last. That's true too. It says they're going to fade. They're going to wither. That's right. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Look where the focus is now putting back on. What are you supposed to be doing as a believer? If you want to truly see how Lord is speaking according to his will in your life, you focus on him. You commit to him. You trust in him. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. In other words, stop looking at what other folks are doing. You pay attention to what you're doing. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. In other words, all you're going to do is because you get mad at somebody else and what they're doing, you're going to hurt yourself. That's what it is. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Now, note what the psalmist is saying here. Don't get agitated. Don't envy those who do wrong. Don't get angry or rage because it's only going to hurt yourself. On the flip side, the psalmist encourages the audience to do what? Trust in the Lord. Do what is good. And delight in him. 
Commit to him, trust in him, and he will act. Be silent and wait for him. This is all about one's attitude in Jesus Christ. This is an attitude thing. If you really want to live according to God's will, it's about your attitude. It's about how you are focusing on what you can do to make yourself better in Christ. The moment you take your focus off of that and pay attention to what other people are doing, you are no longer living according to his will. Let's just put it out there. That's what we're talking about. Your attitude in Jesus Christ. And let's face it, you know, we are, we are create, created, created as emotional beings. I had, had a sense I thought I was to say I was cremated to be, you know. <laughs> created to be emotional beings. We all have emotions and we have to control our emotions on occasion to make sure that we're focused in the right direction. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. I can as being someone's worldview, um, or as someone's worldview, it's like, well, I see somebody else's prosperity. Mm -hmm. Um, I see someone that's. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very intimate area, but we got to talk up a little bit. Yeah, because I have a mic. Amen. <laughs> no, I was saying, this can, can this be looked at as someone's worldview? Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes, I, Mark. I know we talked about, you said something about uh, other people, but really sometimes it's with ourselves, too. And uh, not knowing how long we're going to be on this earth, sometimes we want to get it done now yep. versus trying to wait on the Lord. So yep. the instant gratification, um, you know, that we experience or, or we want to get things sooner than later because we don't know if we'll ever get it if we have to wait, you know. So. Yeah. Very true. That requires patience. Columbus had your hand up. I'm sorry. Um. It's all of our attitude in Christ Jesus. And in verse 4 of what we said, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when I think of delight, I think it is the author of my happiness. Okay. We delight ourselves in our children. Mm-hmm. And if we delight ourselves in the Lord, for he's the author of our happiness. Mm-hmm. I think our desires are his. Right. Yeah. There are several here. Okay, go, I'll come around to you. Go ahead. Uh, just real quickly, I was going to say, it, he's right, it's all about attitude because we understand that this is not our home. That's right. We're just passing through here. It's a tent. Mm-hmm. And that land, he said, you'll inherit is heaven. Amen. And that's where our goal and mind is mm-hmm. set at. That's where it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, this is, keeps talking these, keep saying these things because that's what people need to understand and hear. I know there are two hands. Go ahead. You know, uh, I was saying, you said that uh, as we start to pray and interact with God and we ask for petitions, that we should remain focused. I know when uh, I had gone to, um, a conference one time and they had us to do um, what we, we did a tablet and things that we really specifically prayed for we would write them down and then when God would answer we would date the time we wrote it down date the time that he put the answer on and you know what before you realize you have two or three tablets and when a hard time comes and you can't see what God is going to do to you I'll go back through and start reading what he has done Amen. Read it in the past and Amen. it gives you a strength to know that he's done all this. You don't even have to get out of the first tablet That's before right. you know that he is going to do Absolutely. 
Yes. And I'll come back to you guys. I was just going to say, another way to unpack verse 4 is delight yourself in the Lord. So it's something that you have to choose to do. Focus on the Lord. Delight in Him to enjoy that, to just absorb it. When you do that, the way that I was taught to unpack that was He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, God will set the agenda for those desires. It's not you, I want a house, a car, a yacht, a mule, 40 acres, a car. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Exactly. It's not that, because that takes away that jackpot type of mentality when you mm-hmm. hit that verse. Like, I'm going to get everything I ever wanted, and then so it's like, no, God, as you delight in Him and you focus on Him and immerse yourself in Him, He sets the agenda for how you see things, and then you're, He's going to give you those desires. You'll find yourself wanting things you didn't think you wanted. That's you right. Exactly. You're looking at things according to his will. You understand that? The delighting is actually you're seeing things the way God sees them. That's what we talked about just before we came to this. Yes, Gus. You, know, you said that this is Israel sitting in captivity. That's right. And the thing is, it's about those choices again. That's right. But then it's the decisions where I make this choice. That's right. And if you take the very first verse, do not threat. Hey, God, you left me. Now yep. I gotta work through that dis- that decision that's to right. make the choice if I'm gonna fret or not. That's right. Then he comes on down. He says, "Trust." That's another choice. That's right. When I do that, Lord, I once trusted you before I got that's here. That's right. And look what you let the enemy do to me. That's right. And going through that whole process mm-hmm. again, and then the thing to delight is a choice again. Absolutely. You know? And you're gonna look at all the sadness and everything God let you go through. That's right. But God says, "Now delight," but it's a choice. And then He says, "Commit." That's a choice again. Absolutely. It's a choice to do righteousness, mm-hmm. to let your righteousness shine. That's a choice. That's right. Yes. I was just going to say, because I was thinking about what he said. You have to come to, for me, I had to come to a point to where I made the commitment to believe that I could trust God and God has my best mm-hmm. interest in mind. He's good. Absolutely. So whatever comes my way, it's going to be for my benefit. Because sometimes I'm asking for things and they're snakes. And I don't need to have them. But I have to trust that he has my best interest in heart and then ride with me. But it's a commitment, like he said. Absolutely. You've got to decide, decide it's time to do it. This is the time to do it. And you see where the maturity comes in? You see how this all plays into this? This is about a maturity of a believer. All the things we're talking about, making the choice not to follow what the flesh says. Making the choice to just follow Jesus in all choices you make. That's what we're talking about here. So, yeah, we just talked about what's your attitude. Is your attitude to allow the flesh to just take over and point fingers at something or your circumstances? Look at other people doing better than you? Or are you going to come back and say, wait a minute. I have my life. I have my health. I mean, I have a lot of money in the bank. But I am not suffering. I am not hurting. God is taking care of me in his own special personal way. Personal way. And the moment you take your focus off of that, that's when you lose focus on what God's will is for your life. That's a promise. The moment you stop taking focus off of Jesus Christ, you lose focus on what his will is. And thinking and praying the way he would have you to do according to his image. See how this is all tied together? I hope you're getting the whole picture of that. Yes. I'll come back to you, Debbie. Okay, God, you see it. God, you see it. But what I found for me is, God will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. He'll say, "Well, 
you said, if I did this, you said you scorn, and that'll check me oftentimes uh, as well, because then he brings back to remembrance, well, yeah, I did, Lord, I did, Lord, you know, mm-hmm. so I did say I was going to trust you. I did say, you know, if he did that back yonder, like Dad said, you know, I would do this, this, and that, so it's, it's really, truly a two-fold relationship. Right. Okay. Oh, Debbie. Oh, I was just going to say, all this conversation makes me think about the first psalm where it talks about blessed is the one uh, who, who delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates on the day and night. Because that person is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that yields its fruit in the season. That's where the blessings come because you're delighting in the, mm-hmm. you're meditating in the Lord day and night. So you know what his will is for your life. Amen. And contrast the blessed one with the wicked. Amen. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Okay, so we're, we're running short of time. I want to kind of speed up a little bit so we can get out of this category. So it's important in the area of asking specifically in prayer because the Lord knows your heart's desires. He's going to respond to your commitment to him in accordance to his will and desire for your life. Remember what we said earlier? He wants you to succeed. He wants you to have the victory. That's what he wants for you. Your prayer life over time is going to reap blessings and there's going to be a testament to your commitment to Jesus Christ. And he's faithful to respond to your commitment in accordance to his will and desire for your life. He wants that for you. He wants you to be successful. He's going to respond to your commitment. Trust me when I tell you, the more you commit to Jesus Christ, you will see his reaction, his response to you. Now, if your commitment is half-hearted, guess what you're going to get back? Half-hearted. You're going to get a half-hearted back. Yeah. All right. He's faithful to respond. Remember, he is not going to deny himself. His character is that to have that close relationship with you. But you have to decide what your commitment is to him. Real quick uh, verses um, so we can, we can keep moving on here. Exodus 33, 16, and 17. Um, I'm going to ask you to kind of write these down because I want to move forward here um, and make a note of these verses on your own. Exodus 33, 16 to 17. John 14, 12 to 14. And John 15, 15 through 17. I'll read that one real quick because that's a very important verse to also see. I do not call you slaves anymore. That's John 15, 15 to 17. Because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. That's a commitment to love other people. Amen? Amen. That is a commitment that you make. But he is going to respond to you. Now, real quick, I want you to see this here. If you're looking to Jesus in your life outlook and not on selfish desires, you cannot help but make better life choices. Amen? Amen? Amen. You can't help it. It's going to happen. The moment you start looking on selfish desires, you're going to make some horrible, terrible choices. You're going to do things that are completely outside of God's will. 
Now, what's that? Oh, be honest? <laughs> yeah, those are, those are good words, isn't it? The previous one? I apologize. I will do that for you. No problem. As soon as I can find it. Oh, here it is. Got it? You can't help but make better life choices if you're looking to Jesus in your life outlook. Okay? Good? Okay. Now, be honest. <laughs> now, this is a thing that we have to be honest about who we are when, we come, when it comes to prayer. We are not to expect that God's going to answer every prayer, A, right away, B, the way we want it to go, or C, even if we receive an answer right away. We have to circle back and ask ourselves the following honest questions. What are you asking for? What are you asking for specifically in prayer? Is it in line with God's will for your life? Or just as importantly, is it something that would detract from God's plan and his purpose for you and even for others around you? You've got to ask yourself, what are you asking these questions about? I'll make a note of these verses for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24 and verses 31 through 33. You have to understand that you have to ask for things that are beneficial. Not everything is beneficial. Make sure that what you're praying about is constructive, is something that's good for you. And also, keep in mind that others around you, you're making a testimony <coughs> to them too. So, you want to make sure that you're not damaging your testimony with other people in the things that you ask for in prayer. What do you mean? Be more specific. Well, let's, you're living a certain way, and you're praying for certain things, but you have to understand that maybe it's a good idea to go over to, go to verse 31 in 1 Corinthians 10. You can call it attitude, you can call it how you live, but you have to understand that one of the most important responsibilities you have as a believer is to make sure that you're doing what you can to not also cause others to stumble. Best example I can give to this, for example, some Christians believe it's okay to drink wine. Amen? Amen. Okay. Some choose not to drink because it's a personal choice. This is probably the most vivid example you'll ever see. Well, there's nothing wrong with either position. It's a personal position. But if I'm a person, for example, that drinks wine, I should probably, if I'm in the, in, in the place of other believers, to not drink. Just to not give them a reason not to. Because you don't really know the conviction of the other person. The other person may not be drinking because they were an alcoholic. And they're recovering. So even though you are convicted to do what you do and you live a certain way and you're living for the Lord, you wouldn't choose not to drink in the company of other people who are not drinking, regardless of whether you know the reason. Does that make sense? Yes. One example that you can take from Christ, Christ's life was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was asking the Father to take the cup. Okay. He asked these things, but he he tailed he dovetailed the end in with but not my will but thine be done. Right. Correct. So you ask. You you might not know how to ask and no you kinda of like, what do I have? just start asking and then leave the caveat at the end 
okay, Lord, I want a new job, but not my will, yours be done. If you want me to stay where I am, I will. And then you look for his answer, and that's what you accept. Right. So you're saying that if I want the promotion, but there's someone else in that job, you can't pray that that person gets hit by a bus? Um... Let me let me let me phrase the answer. No. No. Thank you. Okay. Real quick, I want to I want to keep focus here. I don't want to run lose too much time here. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you know we're talking about God's will. The shortcut to understanding God's will. Is it beneficial to others? Amen. Amen. You know, right. that's just a shortcut, but that yes. explanation that's, of God's will. That's perfect. On and on. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Being sensitive to his will in how you pray is what we're getting at here. Are you truly seeking the Lord's will in what you're asking for? That's a big if. I mean, are you really doing that? That's something that you have to pay attention to. John chapter 16 Verses 23b and 24 say, I assure you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Isn't that something? Somebody's supposed to be a praying person, but you're not asking for anything in his name. How about that? How is your attitude? God knows if your heart and mind is in the right place. You can fool other people some of the time. You can fool, but you can't fool mom. You can, <laughs> but you can't fool God. No. Jeremiah 17.10, ESV says, I, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So there's a great attitude check of scripture. In James chapter 4, Verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll give you a summary of it. But it says, you know, what causes quarrels and fights amongst you? Is this not your passions at war within you? That's flesh. That's the pat. The fights that we have are because of the flesh. We get all, you know, indignant if somebody does something to us. So you desire, you don't have, you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not Ask. Hit him with the butt. Hit him with the butt. <laughs> Hit him. That, for those who aren't here, for those who aren't here, that was our pastor that said that. So. One of, that was one of our pastors. Yes, that was one of our pastors. Your neighbors. Your neighbors. Yes. So he. Yeah. So don't you know, you just read it on your own, the rest of it. I'm not going to go through all that. But, but you have to understand that James is a great way. He's telling it like it is when he's telling you about how you respond. You know, how is your attitude? That's really important for you to see. So think of those things that we ask the Lord for. Your persistence of asking God through Jesus Christ will be rewarded as your commitment to him continues to grow and develop. Be persistent. Remain persistent in what you're asking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's Matthew 7, 7. Amen? Amen. That's very important. No. 
there's not a time that you, it, well, provided all the motivations are correct. Remember what the woman was doing? Just kept asking. Kept petitioning. Kept doing. What you're asking for? Of course it depends on what you're asking for. But ultimately, if it's a noble thing, if it's a thing that is in line with God's will, there's no limit to how you ask. But, Mel, I think also, if God told you no... If God's told you no, you might have to ask for something else. Yes. Yes, Paul asked several times to have the thorn removed. But eventually he had to come to accept the answer God gave. Accept the answer. That's the thing. There, there comes a point where you have to accept his answer. If he answers your question, I mean, if you're going back and asking the same thing over again when he's answered it, now we're talking about, is this more in line with his will, or is it more in line with your own? Sometimes that's right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Let me, let me make a point. I'll get you in one second. Can we come to a conclusion as a, maturity, a mature believer in Christ, you're going to get no for an answer on occasion. Yeah. And you have to accept that as a mature believer. If you're not mature, guess what? You're not going to accept that as an answer. It's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want this for now. I want this. I want then you now you're a petulant child of God. So think about that. Break time. I know. No, not yet. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say how would you correlate this with that persistent widow? Well, that's what I. She kept asking, but what she was asking for, what, what was she asking for? Relief? Justice. She was asking for justice. She was asking for relief from the people who were oppressing her. Well, no. You would. But that was a no. <laughs> now, I have a feeling this is going to be the bus seminar. It's mentioned, it's mentioned three times now. So everybody's going to remember, just like you remember that bad. That dream I told, now everybody's going to say, this is the bus seminar. We're going to talk about this bus after we have a break. Everybody's going to talk about the bus. I know. Yesterday. Uh-huh. About the bus. I could have ran over a man or not. I made a decision not to hit the man. Oh, thank you. Well, praise the Lord. I wouldn't applaud that. I understand that. You could have ran right over and blocked and that would have been it. I know. All right. Okay. That was a choice that was being made. All right. I'm going to change the break time now. This is going to be the 15-minute break because we're close to checkout time. This is a good place to stop. And we'll pick up, and we got parts three and four to get through, and we'll rifle through those. Um, but let's go ahead and take the 15-minute break now and check out. Um, and we'll see you at approximately 11.05. Please remember the time, 11.05. We don't want to run long so we can get out of here a decent time. I don't know.